0: The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy.
1: Are hey, you hitting so hard down there.
0: Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy. On Cofield and Company.
2: Big Willie style. Adam Candy. Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios as we... Get into the football frenzy. Ari, what do you got for me? Yeah! Well, we're moving the Super Bowl to Texas. That's what I hear, Willie. Uh, we're finding ways to get COVID California and its terrible restrictions off the NFL's back. Maybe. AP reporting earlier today that the NFL is looking at the contingencies for what they might do with this year's Super Bowl if the COVID surge continues. Of course, the restrictions in California are much stronger than those in other states. Uh, they're looking at potentially doing what they did with the Rose Bowl last year, moving from the Rose Bowl from Pasadena down to Gerald World. And everything, of course, in the NFL comes back to Jerry Jones one way or the other. Willie, uh, what do you think? Is this is this just the NFL doing due diligence? Or you think L.A.? that $5 billion stadium might actually be in
3: jeopardy of losing the Super Bowl because of the pandemic. I think everything is in jeopardy of losing the pan- because of the pandemic. Everything anything and everything we talked about at the top of the show, you just never know what's going to happen, so I just think it's due diligence and I think it's smarter of them to have a contingency plan.
2: And they are according to the NFL not really planning to move this thing but I think people, you need to understand out there what we're talking about here. The The moving the Super Bowl is an unbelievable logistical challenge. There's a reason these are scheduled years in advance. It's not just to hype up the city. It's no. because the NFL moves the entirety of its league to that city for two weeks. And so if you can move it out of California, honestly, You better have a damn good reason. And if California's COVID numbers are worse than Texas's COVID numbers, sure, I get that. And maybe there's a reason within that to say you're doing it for the good of the community. But if it's about restrictions, if it's about we don't want people to have to be vaccinated, we don't want people to have to wear masks, then that's a load of crap. And L.A. has waited long enough. They had to wait because of the weather delays that pushed the construction of the stadium back. They had to wait because it takes a while with the five-year scheduling cycle of the Super Bowl, but they deserve to have this game, and it better not be because of restrictions.
3: 100% agree with that. There is That would be absolutely a slap in the face to Southern California and to SoFi and that community and everything that was put together to build that stadium and to turn around and say, well, it's because of this. Not necessarily for the safety of humankind, you know, just the the covid, uh, the surging numbers and the health and the safe and the health, uh, health and safety. If it's for any other reason, then it's a load of crap. They should not do that. They have day. They have to stick to their commitment and keep it in California. If the rising numbers, and all of a sudden protocols were to limit attendance or for whatever, and they had no choice. And, again, for the health and safety of people, I could see it. Anything else, it's unacceptable.
2: Willie, uh, I don't often like to use the football frenzy to talk about people who are not actually in football, uh, but I found this thing too Uh, juicy to leave alone and I don't mean juicy in some sort of yay salacious way as in this story was too interesting not to talk about you sent over about one of Urban Myers former players saying that at Ohio State he had a rather disturbing way of telling them that they were not allowed to wear hoodies
3: yeah so former Ohio State football player Marcus Williamson has been speaking out about his time with the program and went right in on former head coach urban Meyer said that he used a picture of Trayvon Martin as an example for no hoods rule with Ohio state football. Um, And he just, it, it it's baffling to me the, the audacity that you would go to such lengths in, in, in using such a tragedy, but after all that's come out and all that's been said and all that's been heard in terms of how his, he treats his players, his coaching staff, it's it's really not surprising. Now, I believe Urban Meyer has come out and denied this allegation, but it's hard not to believe based on everything else that we've heard. So it's, it's basically become a he said, she said.
2: I'll give Urban Meyer this much and only this much. I believe that Urban Meyer is so football obsessed that he might not have immediately recognized a picture of Trayvon Martin that maybe someone else in the football staff put it in there, maybe. But in the end, he's responsible for anything that happens at Ohio State when he's in charge because nobody, and I mean nobody, in all of college or professional football believes that they are the big boss as much as Urban Meyer. And so if you want to be the big tough guy you want to be the head ball coach which is what you told josh lambo when you kicked him if you want to be the head ball coach then you're responsible for everything i mean everything that goes on inside that program all right well i don't i can't do that i can't spend any more time talking about Urban Meyer. I just can't do it. I, I, I need to have some fun. I need to let loose.
0: I need... Oh, wait a minute. There's something new coming to Henderson. I'm stoked. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 72577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577 Who better to talk about food than these two? It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans.
3: I like to let it run out
2: when we've got that good music. You know who else loves that good music? Kahlua loves that good music. It always... Well... Willie doesn't Willie doesn't Kahlua love that music
3: cool loves every kind of music he loves Italian music he loves hip-hop he loves classical he loves Sinatra you name it he very, loves very
2: it. good very good well it tends to be tends to be kind of a top 40-ish playlist over at uh over at Dave and Buster's and I'll give you a quick disclaimer no they didn't sponsor this segment I have a reason for talking about this um No, there's one over in Summerlin, and uh, RJ reported just a few days ago that there's going to be a new Dave & Busters uh, coming to the Henderson area. And so it gave me a thought. Um, There are certain Dave Busters-type arcade games that even as adults, we still get pretty competitive about. Uh, I was out there with a group of friends not that long ago, and I will tell you that pop shot was some serious discussion um so I figured I would throw it out to you guys and even even Ari who we know doesn't have really any noticeable athletic skill can weigh in on this or, one or
3: motor skills
2: no that's that's true Ari wait your turn uh but i'll ask I'll ask you first willie if if we take you down to the boardwalk, if we take you to the arcade, uh, mm. what are you going to be just crushing fools at?
3: I'm going with air hockey. Ooh! Put me on the air hockey machine. It's funny because when I saw you put that on the rundown, I was like, "Adam's ah, probably gonna like Papa a shot," but I'm gonna go with air hockey for me.
2: Air hockey. So you would dominate the air hockey table. Um, there was there yeah, was like a- so so
3: so I'm gonna be at the uh-huh. Papa shot when you're there yeah. booking bets. Yeah, I'll be booking action. No, I- and then and then you'll be at the at the air hockey. You'll be at the air hockey machine with me booking the bets.
2: I like that. I like that. I, I charge serious juice. So, it, it, like, I'm going to make out no matter what. Uh, no, I'm going to tell you what. It's actually not Papa Shop for me. I, I I can hold my own at Papa Shop, but there were definitely folks who beat me at that one. But I'm going to tell you where you want no part of me. Um, and, and I can't believe I'm giving this away, and I'm giving away my ringer status to everyone. But I just love this so much that I, I have to throw it out there. Uh, you people want no part of me in skee-ball. I was, you people, was you people you people, want nothing to do with me when I get those wooden orbs in my hand. I, a 40 is a minimum. We don't even talk about 10, 20, 30. Oh, don't be surprised. 10, 20, 30, doesn't matter. You, you want me to pull out different styles? I'll pull out different styles. You want me to play off the wall? I got that little off the wall when I need it. But I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was playing against my good buddy uh, Matt and he thought he had a chance. He was up on the last ball and I'm not saying there was something riding on it, but there might have been something riding on it. And I looked at him and I just kind of smiled with that last ball and you know how they have that little hundred all the way up in the top corner.
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: When I say nothing but net, I mean nothing but net and I hereby challenge Steve Cofield, the king of the New Jersey boardwalk the king of Atlantic City, the man who claims to be all about having fun, haha! I challenge Steve Cofield. I wanted to see him out there at the new Dave and Buster's. We are going to be showing down with you on air hockey, with me on skee ball, and Ari. I assume you're really good. What the claw game, maybe?
3: First of all, I want that sponsored as a remote. But moving on from that, it's funny you should uh, mess with my uh, athletic prowess because. The free throw shooting, uh the little mini hoops. Pop a shot, yes. Pop a shot, are yeah. That's so, what we were so talking so about, we were talking we were talking you were, about. You, we talking you, about. you know at. what? I'm so right. sorry. I thought that was a skee-ball. I, I mixed the two up, so. Yeah, okay. I'll whoop you in right. that candy. Let's go. About yeah, right. I also, at, yeah. I also about did right. not know this was going to just be all about your two egos and boosting yourselves up about how great you are at video games.
2: First of all, it's not a video game. Second of all, the rundown says... What game would you be the CNC champion of? So I can't help you if you have no motor skills and an inability to read as well. You know what, Ari? Let's talk to a college graduate about these things. Someone who actually might have an informed opinion. Caleb Herring's coming up.
0: Stick around, Cofield & Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. You're listening to Cofield & Company. On ESPN, Las Vegas.
2: Company takeover on a Wednesday afternoon. Adam Candy, Willie Ramirez, Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios. Caleb Herring on the line for his usual Wednesday chat with us. And before we get to anything big happening in the world of sports, um... Caleb, we need to carry over what we were talking about last segment and ask you a very important question. I, I have a feeling I'll know the answer with you being a former quarterback, but we were discussing, when it comes to Dave and Buster's type arcade games, uh, what would be the one where you are going to dominate everyone? Where where are you just going to be calling for next over and over again?
4: Um, I'm going to say all of it. Whoa, is that a whoa, fair answer? whoa, whoa, whoa,
3: whoa, whoa.
4: Ari, Ari said we had egos. Wow. I'm I, at first, I'm, I'm extremely competitive. And first of all, I want to stand up for Ari because I heard some comments about how unathletic I guess you guys think Ari is. Ari's not an unathletic-looking guy. He's He looks fine to me, all right? So I'm going to stand up for Ari right now. First of all, I would not want to see Ari in, like, Hungry, Hungry Hippos. I'm sure he's great <laughs> at that. Okay? <laughs> Was, I'm then, out. so on top of okay, that, so wait a minute, Caleb,
3: time out. There's a difference between athletic skills and motor skills. Those are motor skills. Athletic ability. If you're under center and he's playing defense, you are not concerned.
4: I, I'm not concerned. That that's just me and my competitive nature, though. There's not a person <laughs> that I'd be concerned. I'm throwing at digs, right? Like I'm 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 testing Deion Sanders if I had a chance. You know, I'm just that competitive in my mind. Right, reality sets in sometimes, but I'm gonna be competitive at the onset. But as far as Dave and Buster's, there's not one thing that Dave and Buster's has ever plugged in in that restaurant that I'm not gonna dominate in. I'm I'm sorry, it's just that's just the way I look at it. I'm I'm wow, super competitive go. when it comes to that stuff.
2: I I love I love that attitude. I love the quarterback mentality that Caleb Herring brings to playing what Street Fighter or you know, pop a shot, whatever it is. That's what Caleb Herring is bringing to the table. And Caleb, it's that quarterback mentality we've been talking about all day long with Derek Carr and just how much responsibility falls on the quarterback for wins and losses. Because we have a stat out there about quarterback wins and losses that I don't know is always completely fair to pin everything on the quarterback. Uh, Derek Carr faces what Willie says, and I think is fair to say, is the biggest game of his career, This weekend, Uh, do you think that what happens between the Raiders and the Chargers on Sunday night should affect how the Raiders franchise thinks
4: about bringing back Derek Carr next year or maybe even extending him? I think if you're talking about from the perspective of the Raiders franchise, I, I think even regardless of what happens in this game, they should realize that the only constant that they have right now is Derek Carr. If you're trying to be anything like a you know a competitive franchise next year in the in the future, you can't go through the the turmoil that you went through the lat over the course of this last season and and not realize that Derek Carr is really all you have. He's the only spade in their hand right now, um, and I think as far as quarterbacking goes, he's to me he's always been this. He's one of the at least in the conversation for one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, um, and you don't let that walk, especially. When you don't have any, you don't know who your head coach is going to be next year for crisis. Get Derek Carr locked up as quickly as possible, regardless if they win this game or not. I think you need to make sure Derek Carr is there. So you're not, uh, you know, going to a complete rebuild from the ground up because you don't have to necessarily. Um, but Derek Carr's been great to me this year uh, with everything they've gone through, the Raiders franchise. Derek Carr's been the calm that's kind of held the ship together. I mean, uh, to think that they're in the playoff hunt right now to think that they still have a chance and it's in their hands really that their destiny is controlled by them winning a game and not some other team losing somewhere else. To me, that's a testament, not only to Derek Carr, but I think the rest of the guys as well in the locker room for being able to weather the storm and finish the season out strong. So um, I, but as far as Derek Carr goes, I think he deserves a lot of credit for this season and, and where the Raiders find themselves at the end of it. I think Derek Carr is gets the bulk of the praise for the way that this season's gone. Uh, And think about it this way. We're we're talking about a guy in in Justin Herbert who deservedly so is getting talked about as one of the best, you know, people have been talking about he's better than Patrick Mahomes and things like that during this season. But their teams, Derek Carr's team and Justin Herbert's team, sit now in the same position at the end of the season. And Derek Carr's had just as much of an MVP season as the next guy as far as quarterbacking. So I, I think the Raiders would be smart to lock him up and extend him for the foreseeable future.
3: I 100 percent agree with you um, because I have been one that has said since the beginning of the season to now that if you look at the past seasons where they haven't been as successful, he's done his job. He's been one of the top throwing quarterbacks and a lot of it could be put on the defense, which this year I thought showed incredible improvement under Gus Bradley Um, with this game, though, I have to ask you. The previous game with the Chargers, Joey Bosa made some comments and, um, you know, Carr sort of shrugged him off. And he's continually said that he doesn't let things bother him, yet he makes these side references in postgame conferences. When he wins, he's referenced something that could be applied to what Rich Gannon said. He's referenced something to what our own Adam Hill wrote about. How does Derek Carr go into this one not? sort of wanting a little bit of revenge or with what Joey Bosa said how many weeks back uh, on his mind and try to keep this one focused because it's easy to say, well, he's a leader, he's an eight-year veteran, you you focus on the task at hand, but he's proven time and time again that he really doesn't do that.
4: Yeah, I, I think it goes back to what Adam was talking about with that quarterback mindset. You have to have kind of a chip on your shoulder. Now, Derek Carr is kind of, put on over his career kind of a master class in how to say the politically correct thing, I guess, when it comes to football stuff, like like how to be the leader in the locker room and, and to make sure that you don't give other bulletin board material to the other team and stuff like that. He's been really good at that. He understands how to how to play the part. But in the back of his mind, absolutely he remembers the slights. He remembers the people saying things or or doubting him or or, or chastising him for not getting a playoff winner, whatever the, the negative The negative criticism has been throughout his career you remember that stuff and it fuels you to an extent so not not going to say that he's going to be consumed by it to the point where he's making uncharacteristic mistakes and, and pressing during the game but i think at this point in his career um and at this point in his maturation as a quarterback he understands how to use that stuff to kind of fuel his fire and 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 push him even further and 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 really solidify his determination to come out on top in this ball game. So I don't see it being a problem. But you can bet your bottom dollar that he remembers those comments and that he's going to be willing to on the field to remind Joey Bosa that hey, if things are going his way, I'm that guy. You know, like don't question me again. I know what I'm doing, and I'm 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 an MVP candidate for a reason, or I'm in the conversation at least for a reason. You know, so that that's the kind of thing that I think Carr will remember, and he'll he'll maybe have some trash talk on the field to say he's one of those guys that's sneaky with it on the field, but he he definitely gets his jabs in when he has the opportunity.
2: Caleb Herring joins us here on Cofield and Company, former UNLV quarterback, current UNLV radio analyst. Uh, We just got the news earlier today, Caleb, that the UNLV men's basketball team had to postpone its game against Air Force on Saturday because of COVID concerns within the Run and Rebel program. I'm curious your perspective as a former college athlete. We are now heading into a third year of this, but at least a second full basketball season of players having to deal with these COVID restrictions and trying to avoid the virus. And and it's become harder and harder to do with this new variant. Uh, What is the sort of pressure that you feel like these players are under above and beyond any of us in society who are trying to do the right thing and be healthy and stay away from it. But it feels to me like these kids have to be under a ton of pressure, especially going through a second full year of this.
4: Yeah, I, I think the pressure is 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 very tangible to those that are participating in sports and especially in college. Um, like you said, the younger kids who probably don't have as much money, I guess, to 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 justify why they're going through the the kind of isolated experience that they're going through. Um, it's a kind of I guess pressure that you're trying to manufacture in the rest of the society where you're trying to say your willingness to participate in these mass mandates and the vaccinations, if you need to, or, or whatever the case may be, the restrict the 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 limited capacities at at sports venues, whatever your community is asking you to do, you have to be able to connect it as a person to something else. You're doing it for the benefit of X, Y, Z of your neighbor, of your friend, but it's manufactured. You can't really tangibly say if I don't do this or if this happens, this is going to be the consequence. Whereas in sports, in the sports world right now, it's if I don't have my vaccine, let's just say it costs my team in this way. Or if there's a COVID outbreak on my team, now my team has to not play this game, et cetera, et cetera. So there's an an enormous amount of tangible pressure, I think, on college athletes, especially who don't have like I said, the luxury of finances or or a, a, a lavish home life to kind of make it easier to be isolated and to yourself from the rest of the world in order to keep your season alive. Um, they, they're they're in their dorm rooms. They're you know small apartments. They're they're not you know being catered to by chefs and maids or whatever what what have you. They're they're kids that are trying to live as normal life as possible while also trying to do the right thing for their teammates for the good of the communities that they travel to when they're when they're in the competitive uh, landscape so it's tough and I, I can't imagine what it's like it the season's already a grind i mean for any sport in college it's it already feels like such a grueling gauntlet of of just physical and mental stress um and then to add on top of that things like COVID and the mask mandates and you know getting your 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 test every morning or however often is, is necessary for your program it's it's tough. I, I mean, I can't imagine what they're going through, but they're making it happen. And and to my knowledge, UNLV's done a, as good a job as anybody as far as maintaining these things and, and not having too many outbreaks um, outside of this one, obviously, where it's affecting this Air Force game.
2: Yeah, it, and I think you, you bring up a great point that I don't know that we've talked enough about with the economic situation for a lot of these players where you know, they don't have the resources that a lot of folks do in the battle against COVID in the battle to, you know, be able to stay safe, to not have to go out as much. Um, it's, it's a challenge that I think we get back to talking about the need to pay college athletes, to compensate them in some way, uh, to make just their life experience better because of the amount of pressure that they're under that goes above and beyond the average student athlete.
4: Yeah, and I think this is uh, one of the things, too, that you don't think about is when you're talking about quarantine, most college athletes are roommates with their teammates, right? Like it, it, whether they're in dorms or off campus, there's three or four guys that are in the same house, the same apartment where they're all chipping in on rent. So if one of them gets it, then, you know, there's there's no way that you can say for certain that the other four that are living with him won't. Right? So that's like a hurdle that let's say the NFL doesn't have to deal with where one household is one player. Whereas for a college basketball team, you got four guys. Something I've, you know, you've seen it with where there's houses where guys go in together on houses, upperclassmen, and rent out a house for, you know, for their stay in college. There's five guys that are on your roster that are in the same that are living under the same roof, right? So that's that's a, a whole nother can of worms that college athletes are being forced to deal with that I, I don't think you know, you necessarily think about unless you, like I said, like you said, you really think about it and dive deep into the struggles of a college athlete. It's it's a different can of worms when you're trying to put together a full season.
2: Caleb, uh, the Raiders-Chargers game this weekend, to get back to it for a second, um, feels like the biggest game that's ever been played football-wise in Las Vegas. When you look at this Raiders team and see, you talked about the resilience they've shown throughout the year you see that sort of unmeasurable quality to them I would say in terms of football talent I look at the Chargers and who they have available and say that the Chargers are probably the more talented team but the Raiders have shown
4: a lot of resilience how do you see the matchup well I think it's I think it's a tough matchup I think both teams have shown at times this season glimpses of, of a playoff caliber team Uh, I think the Chargers, especially have some really high peaks and some really low valleys throughout the season so you really don't understand or know for sure which charger team is going to show up Um, and they also just in the nature of the way they play going forward on fourth down a lot and and being really aggressive leave a lot of opportunity for errors on their part and and opportunities for big plays for their opponents so if I'm looking at both teams where you're talking about the emotions of, of how big this game is and who's the more steady hand I guess operating it's crazy to say this but in despite all the things that have happened to the Raiders this season, I trust that the Raiders have a more steady hand guiding the ship because of Derek Carr. The quarterback's one, you know, the eleven players on the field at any given time for for a team, but he's a very important one, right? And if I, I trust Derek Carr's steering of this ship right now in this crucial situation to get the one game that they need to get into the playoffs, I, tr- I trust his steady hand right now a little bit more than I trust Herbert. And that's not a knock on Herbert, but it's just, again, testament to how good Carr has been this season and I think how how respectable he's been all career long. Um, and then you guys got like Hunter Renfro, who are, are very mature guys, who are also in that locker room kind of steadying the ship. So um, I, I say I give that edge to the Raiders. But that being said, the talent um, for the Chargers, I think, may just overwhelm the Raiders in this one. And it, it, we've seen the Raiders fight valiantly in, in very close games. Um, But I just don't know if that's going to be enough, if that that mental fortitude is going to be enough to overcome the hype and the fire that is the Chargers coming out looking for some some playoff intentions of their own. So it sets up to be one of the best games of the season. right? It's been a great NFL season. I, I couldn't think of a better way to have, I guess, it end than with guys playing for literally when to get in. Um, on the last game of the season. And Las Vegas, I guess, has had great games all season long. There's been some overtime thrillers all season for, for Raider fans in Las Vegas. And hopefully this one turns out to be another one. I, can't, I really can't call it. It's a pick em game. So, um, pulling for the home team, obviously. Hopefully the Raiders can get it done and get in the playoffs. But uh, we'll see what happens when they toss the coin on Sunday.
2: Caleb, we're up against it with the clock. But Willie tells me that he has one more thing to, to say to you
4: before we let you go.
3: I will see you. At the air hockey table, my friend.
4: <laughs> as long as well, it's not an air hockey table in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Caleb Herring, always generous with his time. Appreciate it, man. Good spot. We will talk to you next week. All right, guys. Take
4: care. Have a good one.
2: Law and order on the other side. Can Novak Djokovic
0: sue Australia to be able to play? Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield & Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield & Company.
2: Steve Cofield on the sidelines, company takeover. I know we're making certain people out there happy. I know that there are some listeners who are hitting up Ari saying, no way am I listening to Candy and Willie until Justin Watkins is on. That is actually the truth, Justin. That is Yeah, that right. Got, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can show you, Ari can show you the tweet. That Basically, someone asked us, when is Justin on? Because I'm not listening to Candy and Willie. So <laughs> thankfully, we can make that man happy. Uh, right now as Justin Watkins joins us here on go field and company from battleborn injury lawyers. Uh, I, I usually don't ask you questions about laws from other countries, Justin, but the Novak Djokovic situation being in the news, uh, leads me kind of down that path in case, uh, people haven't heard. He was ultimately denied entry to Australia after originally receiving a medical exemption to compete in the Australian open, uh, To the best of your knowledge, what sort of legal situation could there be here? Does does Novak Djokovic have any recourse to try to get himself in?
1: Yeah, so generally speaking, uh, there's no international law that's going to outweigh any country's laws in regards to who they grant visas to and who not. I mean, that's a fundamental understanding among all the international community is you could deny visas to whoever you want. Uh, And there needs to be any sort of uh, uh, an agreement or treaty or uh, amongst countries in that regard, it, it's not what they do, right? Uh, there is no sort of, you have to take in my my country citizens uh, and then we will have to take in your country citizens. It doesn't work that way. Um, but whether or not Djokovic has recourse in any Australian court for being denied the visa, um, some sort of claim that his exemption denied him rights i doubt it only because in most countries including the united states when a non-national a foreign national tries to enforce any sort of rights those rights are severely limited there's in the united states it's not zero there, there are some basic fundamental freedoms that are recognizable to all individuals whether or not they are uh citizens or not uh, but the granting of a visa is not seen as one of those fundamental rights. A fundamental right in that regard would be, for instance, um, you know, uh, the the Supreme Court of the United States has recognized uh, public education is a fundamental right that cannot be denied to non-citizens. That's just a for instance, but the granting of a visa is just not on that level.
2: I want to go down the road of of the medical exemption a little bit, though, because we talked about this during the Nick Rolovich situation and the fact that i think a lot of people look at the situation and see novak djokovic fit athlete uh one of the top competitors in an individual sport obviously has to be in great shape and they say well how can that guy get a medical exemption but we saw with the rolovich situation that these are usually done as a blind situation right
1: right and i think in order to maintain any sort of credibility you want to do that Um, but Rolovich was not a medical, right? It, it was a religious exemption. Right. right. And so a, a little bit slightly different. But uh, but yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't know what the Australian national government's rules are for, for determining whether or not there's an exemption granted or not as a part of a visa request. My guess is that it, that it's a blind system. I mean, that's that's the best system to put in place to ensure that you don't open yourself up to any sort of legal action on the basis of discriminatory actions against, say, a celebrity or, um, you know, somebody who's got money or or what have you. So I would imagine it's, it's a blind system. I I don't know what uh, medical exemption he requested. Um, I don't know what. Uh, you know the amount of credibility I give to what Aaron Rodgers was saying but he he said his doctor said he's allergic to what's contained in the Pfizer and Biotech uh, I'm sorry Pfizer Moderna uh, uh vaccines and so he couldn't take those and then didn't think that Johnson and Johnson was safe and and his doctor agreed <clears throat> he's the only person I've ever heard of that said they're they're allergic to the vaccine but I don't know his specific, you know, medical history, and maybe he's got something along those lines, and maybe he has a doctor signing off on it.
2: Justin Watkins, Battleborne Injury Lawyers, 702 570 joining us here on Cofield and Company. All right, I will uh, I will get us back onto domestic shores here and not try to speculate on the Australian legal system. Uh, what a wild, wild situation. Uh, taking place in Washington this past weekend with the fans crowding the railing to try to get a high five from Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, and the entire railing collapsing. Uh, Fans falling onto the field. Uh, No major injuries from what we saw, though there were uh, a few of note. Uh, Do these fans in this situation have any recourse or do they give that up uh, by the terms of the ticket when they come in?
1: Oh, no, they've got recourse um, to the extent that they can claim that they were not more responsible for the incident than the weakened railing. Right. So in in most states, there is what's called comparative negligence or contributory negligence law, which says that if you're at fault, depending on the state, in some states, if you're at fault at all, you recover nothing. In, say, for instance, the state of Nevada, if you are primarily at fault, meaning more than 50 percent, so 50.1 and more, you recover nothing. And in some states, it doesn't matter. But uh, if you are, you know, I think that first row and you are one of the ones who's leaning over and, and trying to get the high five, I think you have tougher case although I still think you have a case I think you have a reasonable expectation that that railing is going to hold because every football game I've ever watched has people leaning over the rail to catch footballs to give high fives what have you so I I don't think that there was anything particularly reckless about that but there may be seen as an assumption of risk now if you're the next row removed and you're getting sort of squashed in because everybody's kind of collapsing down and you fall out. Well, then I think you've got a great case because you were not the one who contributed to the railing failing, um, but you still got hurt and the rail shouldn't have failed in the first place. So, no, they don't. They cannot waive that negligence on a ticket like that, um, you know, uh, you have you do give up certain rights by going to a game. They have the right to eject you. You know they have a right to code of conduct, but you cannot waive negligence unilaterally like that. And so, not only do the the fans who potentially got hurt would they have a claim, but the interesting part would be whether or not Jalen Hurts would have had a claim if they had landed on him and hurt him, um, because I don't think that that would have been. Ca- Uh, covered by the CBA, Um, an injury that's not during the game on the field and is related to the facilities and not the playing of football.
2: So where do you think that would go? Because I thought that's the natural next question here is that Jalen Hurts did send a letter to the Washington football team basically saying, what are you going to do about this? Uh, Taking the leadership position? Not really anything that visibly happened to him in that video It came close to but it didn't, so if it's not covered by the CBA, where does that go?
1: Well, first off, I'll give you a hundred bucks if Jalen Hurts wrote that letter. (laughs) There's no way, way. Uh, because that letter is just dripping with legalese, right? It's just dripping with, you are on notice, right? I'm putting you on notice that this is a dangerous condition and it needs to be rectified. So that if it ever happens again in any stadium, which is why it was written to the NFL, that you, a claim will arise. Okay? So and I don't even think it was a particularly good letter. I mean, it was fine. It But if Jalen Hurts did it from a PR standpoint to say, I'm worried about the fans and about other players, he should have written it himself. But instead, a lawyer wrote that letter. It's not a particularly effective letter. Uh, I don't. I don't think the wording is sympathetic to anybody. It just reads to me like a lawyer who's trying to set up future claims. That's all it reads like. And the fact that Jalen hurts was willing to put his name on it. I don't know why, Um, but maybe he thought it was good PR, but what would have happened? Um, I think, and, and I don't know the ownership of the stadium there and whether or not the Washington football team owns the stadium. I don't believe that they do, but it, if they did that would be a little bit trickier but clearly what you would do uh, to make a claim is you make a claim against the stadium owner you'd make a claim against anybody who's in charge of maintenance and repairs uh, and you would uh, make a claim against any outsourced security agency and the now they would come back and say this is covered by the cba you don't have a right to make this claim against me it's a work comp claim um at best you don't have the right to make this claim. And you'd have to go down that uh, uh, go down that road and fight those battles. But at the end of the day, I think that you're you're more likely to win as even as the player there, uh, then that would be covered by the CBA because it's just not a on a field on field injury.
2: You heard it here first. Justin Watkins is offering better legal advice than whatever Jalen Hurts got in writing the letter. Right. Do, do I have that correct? Or or is that am I, <laughs> okay. am I Okay, not, I'll yeah. take all of it. Yeah, 7025709000. We're going to send this to the Eagles and say Jalen, you need better legal advice. Justin is available. Uh we, I, I, do we have to get you admitted to the to the Pennsylvania bar to do this?
1: <laughs> no, no right. okay. it wouldn't be appealing in co- or appearing in court. So no. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> Perfect. 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 You're ready ready to provide uh some advice. Maybe you can help out uh maybe you can help out NASCAR uh as well uh this was an interesting story, I thought, where uh, a NASCAR team wanted to have a a sponsorship, um, I guess we could say the, the name. It's not like it's offensive to say it on air about Let's Go Brandon, which has been a very popular uh, anti-President uh, Biden sentiment. They claim, does the motorsports team, that they had approval from a NASCAR official before NASCAR itself decided to deny the sponsorship Uh, what sort of legal situation is there around this could nascar open itself up to any sort of potential uh legal matter from this team
1: so no i think the answer is no unless I'll, i'll give you the my little limited exception to that but let's just say um the answer is no the nascar can make their rules for approving or disproving any sponsorship that they want there's two situations in which I think they can get themselves in trouble. One is if they had engaged and allowed other NASCAR drivers to get sponsorship for political speech that's that's what let's go Brandon is right? It's political speech. So whether or not they had dipped their toe into these political waters before um, and 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 I, I nothing comes to mind. I, I know that they had some car, um at one point in regards to like um racial equity and justice but i don't think it was political speech um okay so let, let's cast that aside and assume that if they, if they have not engaged in this sort of political speech before their denial of the sponsorship totally okay got no issue with it my one limited exception is if what that team says is true which is that let's say it's a high level or somebody that they had reason to trust in giving us the approval to do the let's go Brandon car. And then I uh, had expenses along the way, right? I painted the car. I hired these people. I I'm out money based on that representation. Let's say it's $50,000 that I spent. And then ultimately NASCAR disapproves it. Then could I have a claim for the $50,000 in theory? Yes. So long as that person was speaking with authority and I had or I had a reasonable basis to believe that that person was speaking with authority. And in prior discussions, they did actually have authority. So there is a potential claim there, although very limited.
2: Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702 dot com. You can find Justin on Twitter, at JW, And now we know, Justin, that there are some listeners who are only tuning in to hear you when they have to put up with me and Willie. I, 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 I see you saw that on social media. I'm glad. <laughs>
1: yeah, I just read. Well, now I'm going to have a hard time getting out the studio door. My head's going to be so big that uh, I have that's such that's- a strong fan base out there supporting me.
2: I'm glad to hear it. Uh, Justin, we'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, thanks, fellas.
0: Big five on the other side.
1: Call Battle Born
0: Injury
3: Lawyers 702-570-9000 with your questions today.